the Healthy Family Show, and I am Jenny Hatch, your host. I'm getting so excited about the Brunson case that's on the docket at the Supreme Court. As I learn more about the history and what's happening currently with this case, I just want to shout it from the housetops. So I'm going to play you an interview that Brandon House did at Frank TV recently with Lloyd Brunson, and it's about 30 minutes long. So I'm just going to play the interview. And then in the links in the chat, in the heading of the show, uh, I take you to my Substack where I have another interview that Lloyd did with two other groups giving the history of this case. And then I have a link to this Frank TV interview so you can watch it on video or see the links in the heading and uh, just learn more about the case. It's very exciting. And for those of us who know that there was major uh, voter irregularities, I'm in Colorado and it's just remarkable how brazenly the election was stolen here in my state where everyone has to mail in their ballot and what we've been watching over the last 24 hours with Carrie Lake has been nothing short of criminal in Arizona. So <clears throat> this Brunson case is exciting for those of us who voted for President Trump a second time, who believe that he was disenfranchised by the whole process. And the other thing on my Substack this morning is a deep dive that Foxy Fox did on her Substack about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And all of these things together swirling around our body politic, our evidence of the broken and corrupt state of American politics. And there are some of us who believe it can be fixed and renewed and our Republic can be restored to the glorious state that it was always meant to live in and be. And that the, the government we have right now is the government that the founders feared and wrote the Constitution to prevent. And so how glorious to have these brothers in Utah use constitutional means and methods to push back against this corruption and use the mighty power of the law to make things right. It's a Christmas miracle, and I share it with you in the spirit in which it is offered with much hope and love for a brighter tomorrow and a better future for all of us. Here's the interview. Coming out, because if they did, the American people will realize we've been living under a sham. They got rid of a sitting president. John F. Kennedy, for many reasons. Ronald Reagan, well, they never expected that. That was not the plan. That set them back by quite a few years with their global governance agenda. And they certainly weren't counting on, well, President Donald Trump. We'll get to some of that tonight with Roger Stone. Joining me now is Lowly Brunson. Sir, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, great to be here. Well, I've been Thank hearing... You. 
thank you for being here. I've been hearing a lot of wonderful things about your case and, and how remarkable it is. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself uh, before we get into the case. Sure. My name is Loy, L-O-Y. L-O-Y. Well, they've given I, me wrong data in there. Sorry. That's okay. I've been called worse. And uh, I have a, I have three brothers. We're the Brunson brothers, and we did a lot of trumpet playing and got on some national TV shows. We got to meet President Reagan. We did Christmas in Washington. And uh, so, but uh, what happened was we have a brother who's really, really loves legal stuff. And so he decided he wanted to uh, bring a lawsuit. And together as a group, we decided the best thing to do would bring a lawsuit against all those members of Congress that voted against a simple 10-day pause and launch an investigation into the claims and uh, that there were some shenanigans that were taking place. It was a national security breach is what we felt like it was. So that's what the case is based on. It's this case now in, you call in front of the Supreme Court, this petition for writ of certiorari is the most power ever that the Supreme Court has because of this case uh, that I think the Supreme Court ever has had. They have the power with this case to remove a sitting president, vice president, and 385 members of Congress. And this case is not about the outcome of the election. It's not about saying that there's fraud that proves that we should change the outcome. It's simply a, a case where we're saying that there was a major security breach when 100 witnesses, 100 members of Congress say there needs to be an investigation and the other members of Congress don't pause for 10 days but instead charge ahead with certifying electoral vote when there are causes to investigate first to make sure that they are real electoral votes basically, then they are breaching our national security. So the, the Supreme Court now has the power, if they choose, to remove and bar permanently from holding office the rest of their life, 385 sitting members of Congress, uh, sitting uh, president and vice president, and bar, bar them from ever holding office again, including Mike Pence, the same. And it's simply say, the sim to simplify it, it's the security breach wouldn't have happened if these people had been doing their job, keeping their oath of office, and the security breach was of such a serious nature that they need to be removed and barred from holding office. Another part of this case is they would have their immunity stripped. All politicians would have their immunity stripped. Article 6 of the Constitution is very clear. The wording is very clear. It says, shall be bound by oath of this Constitution. So all of our representatives are supposed to be bound by their oath to this Constitution. But they've given themselves, over the many years, they've given themselves immunity and this case would strip that immunity and allow the, the, the legal ways for people to exercise their First Amendment protected right, which is petition for redress, the, for petition the government for redress of grievances with civil claims. And so, uh, this is a multifaceted case. The Supreme Court has it now and they have the power, like I said, to remove 385 sitting members of Congress, the President, Vice President, and Bartram from holding office ever again. And this would open up tremendous opportunities for new, honest people to take their places. I have friends that are Democrats, and I say, what is it you really want most from your representatives? And they say the same thing, honesty. They want honest representation. So right now, our representatives are taking an oath that's not biting, it's dishonest, and when that is fixed with this case, then we will have much more honest representation. That's kind of it in a nutshell. That's a fascinating case. That's why we wanted you on here. Um, first of all, the hearing. Now, they haven't agreed to take the case, correct? What they're holding is a hearing on whether to take the case, correct? 
Well, let me clear that up. Uh, when we first tried to get this to the Supreme Court, it had, it had not been adjudic- It had not been decided by the Tenth Circuit Court yet. We were in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, you cannot go to the Supreme Court until you have a decision from the final lower court, which in this case was the Circuit Court, Tenth Circuit Court. And so we worked real hard to figure out a way to get to the Supreme Court because they were sitting on it. They wouldn't make a decision. And so we found uh, we found my brother, the legal genius behind this. He found Rule 11 of the United States Supreme Court, which allows you to send your petition to the court. And if you can convince them it's a national emergency, they will let you bypass the 10th Circuit. Well, they did that. And so uh, but after we did it, the 10th Circuit found out and they changed and they made a decision. So we had to change our, our petition. Uh, the, the We actually were in communication with the clerk's office and we said, hey, you've, you've allowed us to to file this petition under Rule 11. And so we, you know, we actually filed it and they called us and said, we're accepting it. They actually did that. I'm kind of jumping and trying to condense it here for, for time's sake. And so they actually accepted that. But then after they accepted our Rule 11 petition, which means they're accepting it as a emergency petition, they the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals made a decision, so we called the clerk's office, and they told us that now that the Tenth Circuit had made a decision, we don't need to argue that point. We don't need it in there, so they asked us to take it out. And then they asked us how soon we could get it to them. And my brother said, well, it's going to take about two weeks. And they said, well, we'd like you to get it to us sooner. Can you do that? And then they also asked us to include something in there that is not required, and they reminded us that they wanted us to do that. And so... We got it in there early. We got it a week early. We sent it on a Thursday. They got it on a Friday. They docketed it on Friday, and it showed that it was filed the day we sent it. And then they they notified the U.S. attorneys that they had until November 23rd to file an opposition. That they had one right, one opportunity to file an opposition. And so my brother was told by the Supreme Court to give send them a an option to sign a waiver waiving their right, which he did. He followed up with a phone call and told them that since we had been we had included their motion to dismiss and also we included our opposition, that maybe they didn't need to file it because as soon as they say sign a waiver, then <clears throat> then we can move then the Supreme Court can move forward with it in a more expeditious way. And so we waited until the twenty third of November and they hadn't filed a waiver. They hadn't filed an opposition. And on the twenty third of November the US attorneys uh, we looked at the docket, and the U.S. attorneys were no longer representing the 388 defendants. Instead, the United States Solicitor General was representing them, and she was the attorney of record now, and she filed a side waiver, waiving their right to oppose this before it goes into conference. So when right, it's, it's, so the next few days after they did that, we saw that the docket was scheduled for January 6th. The conference was scheduled. Now, what conference is, is the nine justices get together without any interference or any arguing from either side, and they take a vote. They talk about this. They're reviewing it now. They had these distributed weeks ago. So they're reviewing it now, and they go into conference on January 6th, and they vote, and nine votes. If four of the nine votes say we move it forward for a full-blown hearing, which I call a trial. That's really a trial hearing. And then if they vote at least four, and it moves forward to a full-blown hearing, where both sides argue the case and they adjudicate it. But since this is an emergency petition, we've read that they, the Supreme Court has the full power to completely adjudicate, judge, execute the full complaint, not just reverse a decision or uphold a decision. So because this is an emergency case, they could seal the case and they could have this completely decided before conference. So there you go. Wow.
Wow. Okay. I have so many questions. Now, <laughs> you're telling me the Supreme Court called you up. The clerk's office, I guess. Yes. The Supreme Court calls you up and says, hey, we want this case. We want this case and we need you to get it here faster. Are you, is, are you serious? Well, that's basically what they were saying. Now, let me explain to the, those of you that don't know what the clerk's office is. The clerk of the court is not a clerk of one of the justices. The clerk of the court is Scott Sessions Harris, and for 11 years he was the lead counsel. He was the attorney for the United States Supreme Court with his staff. Okay? So he, 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 it was under his direction that a case analyst was calling and working with us, not only asking us to expedite to get this to them quicker, but actually requesting that we include materials that were not required. Doesn't that just I mean, warm your heart. I mean, it gives me a little faith. Yes. It, war it warms my heart. Yes. It gives me faith that maybe our country isn't lost, that maybe there are some people, Republican, Democrat, independent, uh, maybe the people on the bench saying, look, we're setting aside party. We're looking at the rule of law. And maybe we are going to save this country. I, I mean, how many people would ever guess this was going to happen? Did you? Did you, Lloyd? No, we were so many times discouraged and thinking that it was lost cause. We'd spend so much time and work, especially my brother, Darren, who just put his heart and time and muscle into this, preparing the documents. And oh, my gosh. And so when he got stuck in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, we were really discouraged. He says, there's nothing we can do. We're stuck. Now, I want to remind people, they probably know this. That's the second lawsuit. I was the plaintiff on the first one. Roland is on the second Mine is still in court and it's alive. It hasn't been dismissed yet and it's identical to Rollins. They're probably waiting to see what the Supreme Court does with this one. But uh, yeah, we were very discouraged at times, but doors opened up. We were prayerful about this and we wanted to do the right thing and these miraculous doors opened up, including, you know, including them asking them to get it sooner, helping us with content and the Solicitor General signing a waiver, waiving their right. To All right, let, let's it. stop right there. Let's yeah. stop right there because that is that is so odd. Are you look? look I'm not an attorney. Your brother's the attorney. I'm a layperson, but well, he's not an attorney either, but he knows how to do it. Oh wow, what a, you guys are smart. Okay, so are you telling me that the Solicitor General is saying we're not going to come in and argue against this? We're not going to come in and 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 oppose up another no, side. No, let, let me explain that they. They waive their right to oppose it before conference. Now, okay. if it moves out of conference, they can go ahead and, and argue it in front of the justices. But she she probably she may understand that in an emergency situation like this, for her to sign that, and who knows what else she's talked to about them. I researched her a little bit, and she has a mind of her own. She does what she wants. She has represented the government before and switched the decision that the government wanted her to take, and on her own, I saw her in a, in a Senate hearing, and the senator was raking her over the coals saying, how is it possible you on your own would switch the decision and go opposite of what the government was asked you to do? Who did you talk to before you did this? She says, I talked to no one. And this senator started asking her names. You didn't talk to so-and-so. You didn't talk to this person or this department. She says, no, no, no. I did it on my own. So we're believing that she is patriotic, and she, she her conscience is telling her that this is not about anything but strengthening the Constitution, upholding the oath of office. Republicans and Democrats and even the socialists are defendants in this case. It has nothing to do with the outcome of the election. It's simply enforcing the oath of office. And voting against this would be a voting against the Constitution without explaining or interpreting the Constitution. And we are thinking that she 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 is doing the right thing in her heart by signing that waiver. And it would to not sign the waiver would be like going against the Constitution.
she did the right thing. Fast we know she I mean, did the right this, thing. This almost starts sounding like the, uh, the beginnings of a movie. I mean, I think we got a movie coming <laughs> out of this. This sounds like something out of Hollywood. Almost, Could be. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, so by not opposing or arguing about it going to conference, that means she's open to it going to the judges and for the judges to sit without any argument from either side and consider it. Consider it. So that, that means... That well, no, no, no. When it goes to the judges, she can argue it, okay? She can argue it. But the fact that she didn't file an opposition to it before it went into conference, she could have asked for an extension. She could have, she could have, you know, it's like one opportunity, one more opportunity to keep it from going to conference and to keep it going out of conference. But I thought, at conference, that right. I, I thought at conference they didn't have any side presented. It was just them in the room. Right, they don't, they don't. That's right. You have a point there. I was thinking you were talking about the hearing where right. she can so, if it goes to hearing. Right, so what so she just... I'm, so what she's saying is, I don't mind it going to the nine... I could argue for the nine not to hear it just themselves in the room at conference. I don't mind if the nine hear it in conference just themselves. Let them have it and let them talk about it. Then if they make the decision to hear it formally in the chambers, then she could choose to come forward. But the fact that she right. doesn't want to argue, hey, I don't want these nine to hear this and in conference, the fact that she's saying I'm well, not going to oppose that means she obviously wants them to hear it in conference, right? Well, that's the way we interpret it, but she couldn't argue it in the conference. The only thing she could right. do is documents that for them to review and discuss amongst themselves opposing it. And that's what she waived her right to do that because no one's allowed in conference right. except the justices. But that means they yeah. know, they, yeah. they all, they all know that. that the nine, if when they get yeah. that in the conference, they know, yeah. hey, they're, they didn't, they didn't oppose us seeing this. Right. Exactly. Some people argue, well, that she thinks it's such a ridiculous case. Well, then why didn't she just let it expire? Because a few hours later, it would have expired, and they wouldn't have had the right anyway. Why did she take the effort to go ahead and file a waiver? That was a statement, and I think that was – I'm going to say that was a patriotic statement. It was a constitutional state, uh, a statement, and I'm giving her my vote of confidence that she's doing the right thing. Wow. Again, I like I like to think there are people still in our government because I have friends that have been in the FBI, the CIA and some other agencies. And and they were there and then they were counting down their days to retire. But I slept better at night knowing they were there. So most of them have now retired. And I'm talking in the last few months and years. And so we know there are still good people. We know there's some FBI whistleblowers. Yeah. There's still some FBI whistleblowers in there saying, I'm not going to do this. This is a violation of the Constitution. And we've got FBI whistleblowers. And some of them now are on suspension. So we know there are good people stationed throughout our government. And hopefully this is, you know, going to save our country. So let's talk about well, what happens. Yeah. If they choose well, in conference, okay. if they say in conference, sure. the nine of them meet, and right. they say, okay, we all agree. Well, I mean, how many of them have to agree to well, take the case? It only takes four. Only four. four okay. If four out of the nine votes, if, if, if they have to get six against it for it to stop it, okay? Now, let's just, I just want to mention that the three of the justices have already voted in favor of Trump-related, uh, which would be very, you know, Trump-related Supreme Court cases. And the three that didn't were appointed by Trump, but maybe that's why they didn't. But things have changed since then. They've all been threatened. Remember, Chuck Schumer, I'm going to get you, Kavanaugh. I'm going to get you, Gorsuch. Well, those are two that voted against, but I think they would vote now. So I think we, I think we're going to get at least a six. So you got Alito. Alito's going to vote. Alito's going to vote to hear it. Thomas is going to vote. Oh, sure. Thomas is going to vote to hear it. Who else? Roberts. Roberts will vote to hear it. Roberts will vote. You think so? He voted in favor. Yeah, he voted in favor of Trump-related lawsuits. And that's a much more difficult uh, choice than this would be. This is just the Constitution supporting it. This isn't political. And you only need you, and you only need 
three in favor? Four. Four in favor. Four. So we'd need to get one, either Gorsuch or Barrett or Kavanaugh. I think we got it. Okay, that's fascinating. Okay, now this goes down on January 6th, right? Yes, but then okay. I want to remind you again, it's an emergency case. They can completely adjudicate the complaint completely before then. They have the right and power to do that if they feel like it's of a national security level that they need to do that. And then what I envision is under, without it being exposed to the public, the court would order the U.S. Marshal Service to go to the sergeant-in-arms with a list of names to be stricken from the credential list. So he can, that could happen very easily. So all the defendants' credentials are canceled, and then there could be a new president, a speaker of the House, or whomever they would decide could, uh, with the executive order, go to the Federal Communications Commission directors and set them, put them on those and set them aside and actually have special broadcasting ops from the military to go into the broadcast stations so that they could start broadcasting what is happening in real time to let people know there's not nothing happening that's going to be, you know, that's going to hurt them. Everything is good. And then there would be a flood of opportunities for candidates that wanted to replace these vacancies. And that would be a positive push. So I, I, I see it's a possible positive thing all the way around. I now, tell who, people who, if you have a Democrat friend, okay, go ahead. Do these do these people then? Do we have re elections for these people to replace these three eighty five? Yeah, the states the or states would would probably appoint. Yes, uh, the missing the missing seats that the, maybe the governors would appoint, but they would have special elections. But now remember, we've, they've been stripped of their immunity. So a politician going into this would have to realize he is now accountable. The, the constitutional powerful binding oath, right? So I, there are people who will lay down their lives for this country, and those are the kind of people that would not be afraid of a binding oath. The others that are, I think, would scatter. Absolutely. So, Loy, are you okay? Again, I'm a lay person. You're you're throwing out so much wonderful Don't information. Lie. You're, you're throwing out I'm so a much person too. <laughs> so much interesting stuff here. So are you saying that after they have the conference, which they could do this anytime they wanted, really? They don't have until January sixth. They don't, yeah, they can they can completely adjudicate it. Let's say the U.S. Solicitor General goes into a meeting and says, hey, this sense is just about the oath and the Constitution. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I'll concede. She could concede. Okay, and, and that doesn't so, – right. so then it doesn't go to a docket, you know, like we normally hear that they're going to – the Supreme Court no, today is going to hear this. completely – They just make a decision right then. Even even courts, lower state lower state courts and federal courts have sealed documents and they have sealed situations, especially if it if it involves a national security risk. Of course, they would have a seal. They wouldn't tell people what they're doing. So that's what I think is happening. I think they're just figuring it all out. And, and another sign of that is why would they pick January sixth for conference? To me, that's a that's that is a message of love. And a message of support and a message of, hey, we're the Supreme Court and we're going to we're going to take care of you, America. And otherwise, why would they do that? It could be sort of a provocative thing. to They could set it another date. Why they pick January 6th? Well, that was my next question. Press conference. Yeah, that was my next yeah, question. I, I, why they pick January 6th? Do you think you've all you pretty much have already implied. But do you think the left overplayed their hand by showing up at the homes of justices and threatening them and all the crazy things they did. Do you think that the, the, the progressive Marxist left has overplayed their hand and even some of those, say, more progressive Supreme Court members now have said, you know what, this is a bridge too far? Well, and I think it's great that they did because they've exposed themselves. And now the justices can really make a decision. They make the decision in the right way. They will be the most famous patriot. They will earn a, a seat 
They will earn seats next to George Washington and the founders. Yeah, but what I'm right saying is, here. do you think the left overplaying their hand by being so violent on the street and showing up at the home of the justices has awakened the justices to the tipping point America is in, and this has maybe, maybe caused them to say, we have got to get back to a firm foundation on the law, oh. the rule of law here. We can't have this lawlessness. We've got to assert, we've got to assert the rule of law. Uh, we don't want the right going off the rails. We don't want the left going off the rails. We've seen too much. We actually have experienced it in our own front lawns. And we've got yes. politicians encouraging them to show up at our house, which is a violation of federal law. They're not allowed to show up at our houses and do this. We have members in Congress implying that this is okay, which should cause them to go, are you serious? I mean, for those who don't know, the U.S. Supreme Court's right there by the U.S. Capitol. I mean, you ought to look over there and say to those guys at the Capitol that are making comments about encouraging this, are you serious? Because we're equal but separate branches and now you're doing this? So here's a chance for the court to come in and say, we're going to return to the yeah. rule of law, law and order, and we're reestablishing our independence as the court. You can't send your thugs to our houses and encourage them to do this and think that somehow you're sending your junkyard dogs to our homes to intimidate us, the court, and somehow put us under your control. We're reasserting our authority, equal but separate. We're not taking this anymore. You think there's anything to that? I think it's very well said. I don't think I could have said it better. Now, if there's anyone out, I've talked to people, and there are people that don't think anything's going to happen. But the question is, and I think everyone has to answer this to the affirmative, does the Supreme Court right now have the power to do what we just talked about? And the answer is yes, they have the power. We don't know what they're going to do. I think we know what, we're gonna, what they're going to do. But they definitely have the power to clean house. So what, do you, so what do you – so what do you think they're going to do? Okay, we've adjusted the issue. So what do you think they're going to do? I just said it. I think we're going to see... You uh, really the think they're going to do canceled. that? Yeah, th I think that's the smartest thing to do. And we're going to see uh, special broadcast teams go in. And that's... What they're what the media is doing is treason. And it's it's psychological warfare. They have a term for this. Military sub psyops. That's what they're doing. And I think the justices are smart enough to do... to make this a smooth transition this could be a really horrible messy revolution kind of a thing or it could be a very smooth transition that everyone would benefit from let the democrats produce some honest candidates let the republicans produce some honest candidates to replace these these uh members of congress remember they were all based a lot of them were like waving the constitution saying it was a constitutional duty i'll tell you i've never seen so much support of the constitution in my life from the democratic uh, display at, on that hearing. And so here's an opportunity for the Democrats to become more constitutional and the Republicans to be more constitutional by the stripping of their immunity and replacing uh, members of Congress that might have uh, want to exploit the position with, with members of Congress who are willing to lay down their lives for the Constitution. All right. So tell me who then becomes president and vice president in this interim. What, I mean, again, this is not about redoing the I, 2020 election. This is about you're saying they no. violated their oath. So these people are removed. Why, why is the president and well, vice president removed? Uh, because they, they weren't there on the floor, I guess. Come they participated. They, they accepted They accepted this, okay. these positions knowing that the investigation was, was not was done. Not, okay. So, right, exactly so who, right. then, who becomes the acting president or what happens? What happens? Are we, is, is, are we under military martial law for a period of time or what? Who's no, in control? No, I don't think so. No, uh, the Supreme Court with or the, the justices could actually, 
the Congress, the justices could decide that it should be the Speaker of the House, the current Speaker, whoever that might be, or they could say that we need to. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Gardner. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know why I'm laughing, right? I didn't say that. Yeah, I know why you're laughing. Our next but guest, they, they our can... next guest is Ivan Rankland. Do you know Ivan Rankland? I'm sorry, I don't. He's a, he's a retired commander in the Green Beret and a constitutional attorney. He's listening. He's listening oh, right great. now. He's listening right okay. now. Okay. And, well, he could answer that better than I could. Well, here's why I'm laughing. He's coming on to list all the reasons why Donald Trump should run for Speaker of the House. So if that happens on January 3rd, and this, I mean, again, they could do this before January 3rd. Yeah, but if they that's do this a, after that's Trump is, is Speaker yeah. of the House, then the Speaker yeah. of the House becomes president. That's Trump. Well, they could also put whoever was president in at the time of the security breach, okay, mm -hmm. uh, to go back and to, to, to which would be Trump. And so, and he didn't participate in any shenanigans pushing back against an investigation. So he could, it could happen that way, you know. But it's not about who's going to be president. This lawsuit is not about that. It's just about right. righting the wrong and securing our national breach, so we don't have any more breaches. So do you do you think Washington could handle this? Do you think Washington D.C. and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and everybody in Washington could handle this? Oh, they might scream and holler, okay. But look at all the positive commotion that would come from those wanting with their campaigns and huge campaign dollars to fill those vacancies. Think about that. And I tell I tell I tell people I say if you have Democratic friends you've always butted heads on and and you couldn't come up with a, something in common, go tell them that you've got a list that they'd probably love to see uh, names that would be removed with this case and, and, and vice versa. You've got names you would like to see removed. And you, they're replaced with fresh new ones that are going to be more honest. So that's a win-win. Now, do you have a website where people can go and read more about this? Do you guys have a website? Yeah. Yeah, go to sevendiscoveries.com. You can actually, for a dollar donation, please just go donate a dollar so we know you're out there supporting us. Go to sevendiscoveries.com. You can download the full complaint. There are two complaints, but they're identical, even though it has my name on one, my brother's on the other. And also, for $30, you can get an exact, perfect bound replica. I mean, we just printed extra ones that the Supreme Court justices are using. It has the stamps of the court showing when it was received and when it was docketed and filed. Also, for $1,000, you can you can call the 801-73. Uh, from the site, you can call a number and order a signed copy. So for a gift of $1,000, you can receive a signed copy of the Perfect Bound petition. And people are doing that. We still have some. We want to print some more. We ran out a little bit. We've got some more coming, and we have a few right now. And this, of course, helps fund, fund your, this helps fund all your, your cases oh, and everything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this has been out of pocket. We've had a little help. And for some friends. And uh, so, yeah, this is attorneys have told us that look at it all. The, the, so you can see that website. You can see the, the history of the case and the updates. And it'll show you. I believe it'll show you. We actually sued the federal court of Utah and the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals for blocking my case. And they unblocked my case after we did that. And not only did they let me, they didn't, they gave me, they filed it for me. They were blocking me. They wouldn't let me file it, but they actually unblocked it and ordered the clerk to issue 388 summonses. That case is still alive. It has not been dismissed yet. So there's a lot of information there. The, don't mess with the Brunson brothers. I guess that's all I can say. My <laughs> word. Okay, before I let you go, before I can let you go, you're going to keep us posted on updates on this, number one, right? Of course, yeah. Feel feel free any time to call or reach out to me and we'll, yeah. Okay, we'll, number two, you started out with saying that you met Ronald Reagan and you did, what did you, what did you and your brother do? 
Well, my brothers and I are trumpet players. We're the Brunson brothers. And we did some national television shows, one of which was Christmas in Washington. Barbara Mandrell, if those remember who she is, she introduced us. And President Reagan was on the front row. And we there was a, 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 a little meeting. What do you call it? A little, uh, oh gosh, my mind. Reception, a little reception. Yeah, a little reception. And my brother even asked, my brother Roland asked President Reagan if he could kiss his wife. And he said, sure. So he gave her a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> okay, so I didn't realize you were a trumpet player. Were you on? Yeah, the were four of players. Were you on? Were you on Johnny Carson? Yes, we. Yes. All right, back up, boys. Back yeah, up, boys. Go. Here we yeah, go. that's that's me. I'm the last one walking in and say hello, Mr. Carson. We're here hey, to give you a Carson. musical. We're here to give you a musical salute on your birthday. all this out about you on the air here right now so you and yeah. your brother played the trumpet and everything yeah he had us come back and we played a number with the band and uh, there's kind of a story ed mcmahon was supposed to bring us back to play a special number we had rehearsed and ed mcmahon was so i guess it was so loud it kind of sh shook his senses because he didn't say he didn't have us come back he says you want to hear that again and, and this was a surprise johnny didn't know that, that we had a number prepared for his birthday. It was a flight of the B arrangement. We had rehearsed with the Tonight Show band. They gave us a standing ovation during rehearsal. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. But Ed McMahon was supposed to bring us back, and he kind of blew it. But, but Johnny found out about us later and had us come back. And then that's a story, too, because Doc says, save your best number for the second number. It's like, you don't do that. When you're on national television, you give your best number. So we played what he wanted to do, which William Toll Overture was okay, but it wasn't our killer number. We would have knocked his socks off with so. So I know you are, are are all. What have you in that group? Four. Four, yeah. Are you all really brothers? Yeah, we're brothers. Yeah, all Arlen, four. Roland, Darren, and Dean. How could we have names like that not be brothers, right? Oh, my word. See, my name, my middle name is Arlen. I go by Lloyd because my first name is Lloyd, and I ran for office and I use my first name. So, but it's Arlen, Roland, Darren, Gainer. Oh my word. <laughs> we're, we're, well, are you? In we have a sister. My sister says, "I want to be. I want you to tell people you have a sister." So, hello, Lynn. <laughs> let me let me play You're a little sister. bit. Of, let me play a little bit of the brothers. Here we go. Listen to this. Okay. Go.
to the end. That's so good. How, how, where was that? What was oh, that all thanks. about? Uh, that was, you know what? I think that was the Miss Utah pageant where Charlene Wells won the pageant and became Miss America. Wow. We were doing, we were doing 150 shows of Liberace. You, you know, we thought that's a clean show. It's a family show. And so they hired us. They paid us to do 150 shows. And so we had a break. And we <laughs> well, that's that. what you call a regular paycheck, right? Yeah, you betcha. And Roland, if you watch the William Till Overture, he does the best impersonation of a horse I've ever heard. Did you ever play in Branson? No, 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 no. We we went there. We had some offers, but no, we didn't stay there. All right. Where is the family all based now? What part of the country? Uh, Utah, Utah. My brother, Gaynor, the youngest, he says he's playing better than ever. He says he's telling us we better practice because someone's going to want us to play. We're going to be embarrassed if we don't practice. Well, that was my next question. Are you guys still playing? Well, you know, we could be. We could. We'll have to start practicing. It would take a good month before we could probably even play one song. Well, but my brother Gaynor has a studio, and he's he's kicking butt. He says he, he's playing better than he ever has in his life, well, and so he's encouraging him. us to start practicing. Well, the good for him. I bet you we know a lot of the same people if we were to start talking music and the music industry and stuff. But what a fascinating other side to you. I did not know until we got on the air right now. So that's the beautiful thing oh, about okay. having a laptop computer plugged into the main system. I can start I can start researching stuff pretty quick and throw it to the oh. air. Pretty, uh, look for Brunson. Look for Brunson Brothers history on YouTube. That's what I was just playing from. That's what I was just history? going. Okay. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, watch the watch the beginning of that. There's for some pretty funny stuff. And we just built Roland gives we just built in a lesson. It's just hilarious. How he tries to get it out. It's pretty funny. It makes some pretty funny comments. I saw you guys on there with. Uh, I saw you guys. Yeah. On there. And this is uh. Wait a and minute. then if you and, and then we did the Brunson. We created the Brunson. My brothers are just. I don't know. They. They are pretty creative guys. They get bored, I guess. They want to do some different here, stuff. Here, so here, here you are. Here you are. I used to watch this every year, by the way. This oh yeah. Like, I okay. wouldn't. I would not. I didn't miss Christmas in Washington because I always thought it was amazing. This is here's here's yeah. John Drell. Yeah. So again, that was Brandon House at frankspeech.com, Lindell TV, interviewing Loy Brunson, who is one of the Brunson brothers, who has stepped forth to help preserve the Constitution. It's so exciting thinking about these brothers who are not attorneys, they're not politicians, 
They are part of the we the people side of the political spectrum who have found a way to help bring down what I believe is a satanic cabal of politicians who have overtaken our government and have run the American Republic into the ground, attempting to destroy the freedom and sovereignty of the American people and hand us over to world government elites who believe they should be in charge of all of our lives. And how exciting to think about that cabal being absolutely defeated with one Supreme Court decision by taking all these politicians down. It's the most exciting development, I think, of the year, maybe perhaps of the last 10 years. And I'm watching it very, very closely. The link to that interview is in the header of this show and tied to the show on Colin. If you are listening to this podcast downstream on Spotify or Apple Television or wherever you found it, you can find me, Jenny Hatch, at Colin with the Healthy Families Podcast or at my substack, jennyhatch.substack.com or healthyfamilies.substack.com or on my WordPress, WordPress blog, Jenny Hatch, or no, that's my old one, healthyfamilies.life. It has been a pleasure to share this interview with you on this very, very cold Christmas morning, December 2022, or a couple days out from Christmas. We just had one of the biggest drops in temperature in the Denver area. They think we might break the all-time record from, you know, like 40 degrees down to below zero. And it is just really cold this morning. And I am just over the moon happy and being warmed inside from my heart on out at this new development in our American history. It is just so exciting. And I am looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds. I see you there, Greg and John. If you guys would like to call in, I'd love to chat with you about this. And if not, that's okay. But um, I'm very excited about what this Brunson Brothers case will mean for all of us moving forward. And so I thank you for listening. And I hope everyone has a great day. It looks like Greg made a comment. I can find no such case in the SCOTUS docket. Okay, well, apparently Greg is here to tell us that this Brunson case is not real. So thank you, Greg, for chiming in on that. If you want to call in, we could talk about it. But um, 
he's not calling in. So, Greg, I challenge you to do a little bit more looking. It's there. If you click over to my Substack, you'll see a photograph I took of the Supreme Court webpage showing that it, in fact, is there. And so, any link to any regular news source? <laughs> oh, you slay me. You slay me, Greg. <laughs> We've got the news completely, completely compromised. And here's good old Greg saying, hey, I need a news source. So, um... I'm going to put a link to 7discoveries.com. This is the Brunson Brothers website. And Greg, I would challenge you to click over there and just do a little bit of research. So I'm putting this in the chat. And it doesn't look like Greg wants to talk to me. Likes to stay in the chat. And that's okay, because Greg and I have had some uh, conversation in the past and it didn't go well. So maybe the better way to communicate is through chat. I think he's always a little bit nervous that I might, I might call him a dork, which he didn't like that when I did that before. So if you want to know what a dork is, you'll have to look it up on the Urban Dictionary website. So click over to the Brunson Brothers site check it out. This is real. This is happening. And ex the exciting part is we should know by January 6, 2023, how it's going to go. So thanks for stopping by. I hope everybody has a great day. And if I don't have another show before Christmas, have the merriest of Christmases.